sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM. Yes, folks, and again, like always, it's Friday, Friday feeling, a bank holiday weekend and all the children, all the children are on midterm next week. So all those parents who are working from home in their little pods will be driven crazy by their kids knocking on the door going, I want, I want, I want. Yes. And then we have Halloween as well. But we maybe myself and Simon might dress up next week for Halloween. Simon, what would you dress up as for Halloween? I think a scary politician. That would scare the pants of everybody. <laughs> yes, that's it. But what would you wear? Would it be a noose in your hand? Would it be a, a you know, something, a budget, the budget box that they have? Or would it be just a big word saying lockdown? <laughs> I think it would be all of those things. <laughs> all them. Yeah, it's a... Uh, but uh, you know, I mean, I love Halloween. It's my, f- I love this time. Of year. It's a, it's a real period of reflection as well. I, I've spoken to a few people, and they said October, November, you know, they really reflect on re- where they're at and what's going on. There's something, you know, about reflecting, and a bit like the squirrels storing the nuts. You know, there's something, there's something almost regenerative about this time. You know, I, I love it. I love it. Well, I was never a big fan of Halloween growing up. Never really liked it. I do now enjoy it because my kids are into it. So we have yeah. the tombstones in the front garden. We have the bunting in the window and there's stuff that you stick in. And thank God for pound shops, you know, you can yeah. buy the, all the, <laughs> the crap down there for under a tenner. So yeah. I'm very excited. But Christmas is my one. I Me absolutely adore Christmas on it. Yeah. Be slightly different this year, but I do like it. Once I have the tree in the corner, the turkey on the table, you know, and my fake fake Guinness. We're, we're just big kids, aren't we? We're just big kids. I love this whole from middle of October until New Year's Day. I just love it. I love that time. Yeah, it is indeed. <laughs> but it's been it's been a, a another week as well. You know, I've been flat out with a lot of stuff, reading a lot of stuff in the papers as well. Yeah. You know, it's it's beggar's belief. Uh, you know what's no. what's going on and. You know, I'm speaking to more, as I do, I'm speaking to more and more people and people are just tired. People are are, are, are tired. Like, did you see your man Savage doing that video saying, can the government just cop on and start working on something else that they're incompetent with? You know, <laughs> I, I didn't see it, but like, I mean, it, it doesn't. I think people are exhausted and confused as well. I mean, people have been asked to do so much for two years, and it feels like almost inevitably there's a pull to go back to square one again for some reason, you know. And I was up in Belfast for a couple of days beginning of this week, and it's just it just feels, in some respects, a bit freer uh, up there, you know. And there's this myth that oh, in the UK people aren't following the rules and and therefore, that's why we have to clamp down here. I, I, I saw people following rules, so I don't know. It's, it's all very confusing after two years. And I read today that the World Health Organization is saying now so few people around the world have been vaccinated, expect the pandemic to push out to the end of 2022. What's the chance they're going to say that at the end of 2022? Yeah, but yeah, but don't forget there's been documents shown that they have this plan 2023. You know, the end of this is 2023. But what it is, I think people need to really sit down and confront their fears. I really do confront confront their fears. And if people confront what they fear, 
it's amazing they can you know really come into who they are which yeah. brings on our next guest our next guest is who simon who will it be in the, after the break it will be the magic kingsley aiken ceo of the networking institute lovely and as i say you know confronting your fears networking in in the world we live in so we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our guest sponsored by the dunleary Rattown local enterprise office you're listening to business eye on dublin south fm yes simon what a week what a week indeed we like to do our little rants in the first 10 minutes of the week we get that out we get all that tension out just you and me can have a rant and we forget that Everyone's listening on the radio. Everyone's listening on the radio. Nobody's listening to us. No ranting. one's listening. But then we calm down and then we calm down. And a man that is very calm and a man, you know, that knows everything, as we would believe, about networking, which we were talking about just briefly before the break. Simon, introduce our guest to our audience. Yeah, well, we have somebody who's just you know, lives and breathes what he talks about. And his name is Kingsley Aikens. He's CEO of the Networking Institute. He's, he's lived and worked in six countries in the areas of trade promotion, philanthropy, and diaspora engagement. Uh, and the Networking Institute is where he now passes on his knowledge, uh, obviously all about networking and the importance of connection and diaspora. And it's just wonderful stuff. And, and I know Kingsley, we, we both know him well. And just... He has great energy and great enthusiasm for what he does. So it's great to see you, Kingsley. <laughs> well, look, Simon, great to be here. Great to see, be with you and Joe. And I got to say that introduction was way over the top, totally exaggerated. But I have to admit, it was exactly the same as the one I emailed you last week. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for getting that right. Oh, you're <laughs> welcome. I can read the notes. <laughs> and, we, and we just have to also just remember, this is our first Facebook Live. So anyone tuning in, hello. And uh, if there's any kinks, we'll get we'll get the kinks out as the weeks go on. But Kingsley, welcome. And tell me, when we talk about networking, I'm sure to say the question that people always ask you, how do you network or what about networking? The question I want to ask you, why did you get into it? Why did you make this your career? Do you know, uh, it was a needs must situation. I got posted in a job to Australia. I arrived in Sydney. I didn't know a sinner. Now, over the years, I got to know a lot of sinners since, including Simon. But, um, you know, I didn't know anybody. So it wasn't, it wasn't, I realized it wasn't a kind of a, a luxury. It was, for me, an absolute necessity. And a few things kind of hit me as I went along. But, you know, you, you can't get anywhere in life unless, unless you build a strong and diverse network. And I, I think that those extra bits and diverse is a very important part of it. And so that was that was the way it started, Joe. I had to do it. I had to do it to a survive, but also it was really the way, really the way to make an impact. And I ended up going, as you said, six countries. Simon said, um, and some of them didn't even speak the language. So you know, I think when you're put to the pin of your collar, you make these things work for you. And then, of course, I began to see, you know, this is what makes the world work. This is the glue that makes everything kind of work, both personally and professionally. I wasn't in the networking. In fact, I hated it. I hated the notion of. To me, it was a pretty slimy, sleazy word. You know, you, 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 somebody flicking business cards out in the pub late at night. You know, you wake up in the morning, you find Simon Haig's business card and they turn up your trousers. How did that come about? Yeah. You know, like that was my image of networking. But that changed over the years. But it, yeah. it's it, networking. I think the three of us, we've all traveled all over the world. We've lived in multiple 
countries on different continents as well. And one of the places when you arrive somewhere for me personally was it was find the Irish pub and going down to the Irish pub and, you know, going in there and eventually then meeting people and those people then becoming friends. And that's how the networking and are Irish as well, natural networkers without them realizing. You know, I think it's good and bad. It would be my experience of this. Firstly, I think we're extremely sociable animals, the Irish. I think we, you know, we really um, are very nice and pleasant and friendly to be with and we're good crack to be around, all that kind of stuff. But I sometimes wonder, do we do, do we kind of network in quite the same strategic, thoughtful, intentional way as maybe some other people, some other entities do? So I think that, um, you know, we got a great base to work on where, you know, nobody dislikes us around the world. We're good company, you know, and, and I've just seen it in action. I mean, I, I was in Australia for eight years. I was in the U.S. for 15 years, you know. I, I was a J1 visa guy when I was at college. I went to Denver and I found O'Connor's pub and I got a job, you know, through the pub. So, you know, I actually was chairman of the Irish pubs global network for a few years. And there's seven and a half thousand Irish pubs around the world. There's more Irish pubs outside Ireland than inside Ireland, you know. And of course, you know, they're not just uh, they're not just purveyors of alcohol, but they're actually social centers or sports clubs, they're cultural clubs. So we actually are very fortunate, you know, to have that network around the world. Uh, and lots of GAA clubs are associated to a pub, et cetera. So, you know, I think it's been, it's been a real plus for us to have that network. You mentioned, you mentioned, you know, the importance of a diverse network and maybe just expand why, why you highlighted the word diversity. Why, why is that? Do you think that's important? Well, I think it's because the world has changed dramatically. You know, when I grew up in this city, uh, now that today, now yesterday, Simon, I had was... Um, this city of Dublin was essentially used to be described as male, pale and stale. You know, it was not a very cosmopolitan, international city. In fact, I told a joke the other night. Back then I went into a restaurant and I asked the waiter, what's the soup du jour? And he said, hang on, I'll ask the chef. He goes in and he asks the chef and he comes out and he says, it's soup of the day. Right. So <laughs> now we are extraordinarily different today. In fact, think of these statistics. 14% of the U.S. were not born in the U.S., but in Ireland, it's 17%. In Dublin, it's 25%, but the working age population in Dublin, it's over 30%. But here's the question, because all the research shows that if your network does not reflect the diversity of the economy you work and society you live in, you as an individual, you as a company, underperform. So I think that's one of the challenges. Um, and it's this concept of homophily. And homophily is the tendency we all have, and I have a to hang around with people just like us. You know, we go to school with them, we're born into families with them, we go on holidays with them, we play sport with them, we work with them, we marry them, Simon, and we produce more of them, right? But that's not the world out there. The world out there is intensely diverse. I was going to raise the same point, and there was a thing, I think it was in the BBC this, yesterday or this morning, about um, companies naturally recruit people who they think will fit their culture. But this is a big mistake because that dampens down innovation. What do you think about that? How do companies get out of their cultural constraint and be a bit more open-minded about diverse recruitment? Well, I think the good news is that, you know, diversity and inclusion is a big topic now. I mean, every company, everybody's thinking that it wasn't maybe as little as five years ago, but it is now. And, you know, if you just spend time with people just like you, you live in an echo chamber. You, you, not only do you know these people's views and opinions, you know their friends' views and opinions, and, and it's just a very stultifying and negative kind of way of have, living your life. 
Um, and so I think that there's great focus now on making sure that there is sort of diversity. Um, and, you know, all the research shows that people who have strong and diverse networks live longer, are stronger mentally and physically, um, earn more money, they're happier. And I actually think it's, uh, it's the antidote to one of the great crises of our time, which doesn't get talked about that much, which is loneliness, which of course has been exacerbated under, under COVID. And I think loneliness is one of the great Western challenges we have to deal with. I'm sure, you know, it's up there with climate change and some of the other great challenges we have. Yeah, they, they even have a minister for loneliness in the UK, I think. I mean, who would have thought? Who would have thought? I think with networking, a lot of people go into networking for the wrong reasons. And a lot of people, when they're in networking, they're in there and they feel like it's just a, a pitch fest, you know, a business pitch fest or whatever it being. How does someone, how do you help somebody change their attitude or the belief system in, in, in networking and make them a better networker? So I completely agree with you. I mean, first of all, most people hate the word. It conjures up images of sleazy individuals late at night. Um, so it's got a really negative connotation. In fact, what's interesting, the noun network sounds pretty good. If you say you have a good network, that sounds okay. But networking, the verb, that sounds maybe a little bit dirty. But I think that what you have to make, and you're completely right, Joe, what you said at the beginning, most people actually think networking is all about getting a job or getting a sale in some way or other for themselves. And we come at it from the 360 degree different angle. We basically say networking is all about giving, not getting. Networking is how do you put your network at the disposal of other people? And so when you think like that, you know, you really are, the premise is a simple one, is that the more you give to individuals, the more it comes back to you from the network. And if you have that kind of nearly philosophical approach about being generous and being beneficent to other people, guess what? It comes back to you. But most people look at it the other way around, and that's a challenge. I think that's a really good point. I was going to say patience is a, is a real virtue. I mean, I, I remember when I arrived back here from Australia four and a half years ago, and I could, I could actually write almost a Venn diagram of the people I met in the first couple of weeks and then the people they connect me to, and they, they can, and it's, it's turned into thousands. And I remember that there's probably four or five people I met in those first few weeks. Some of them I didn't get any business from, but but if you don't have that open-minded, patient attitude to it, you're never going to get to those thousands thousands of names. I, so do you think that's a key part of it? Is, is, is that patience is really important? Yeah, and I think that there's no one big thing about networking. Networking is about a lot of small things, yeah. which if you do on a daily basis, they become habits, they become rituals, and they become part of who you are. It's just the way you live your life. It's nearly like a philosophical approach to life. You're going to be a giver. You're going to do stuff for other people. I mean, I, I sometimes jokingly say I've divided my life into four quadrants. The first quadrant was to aspire, to aspire to do something, be something. And then to achieve that, I had to perspire, I had to work at it and then I want to give stuff back so I'm at the stage of I say send the elevator back down because lots of people help me I now want to help other people so I want to kind of inspire and of course Simon there's only one left after that which is to expire and <laughs> I'm going to put that one off as long as I can I think Joe and I are on the es expire escalator right now <laughs> speak for yourself Simon I'm going to live forever live forever indeed but there's there's as well you know networking in a way I know it's like sales in a way because what we're always selling and it's about relationship building so it's people you know i've met people look at you and me simon we met 
through networking and we're good friends yeah. over all these years. And, you know, there's other people out there as well. But with networking has changed now because we're all here. We're in these little square boxes. Tell us, Kingsley, in your opinion, will we ever get back to the way we used to network or if there's, you know, or even over the next year or so, if there's lockdowns or whatever it may be, how are people networking? I think we're going on to something new and different and possibly very exciting. In fact, because of um, COVID, you know, we're all doing these Zooms. I mean, my mates call me a baby Zoomer, which I think is quite funny. And like one of them calls me a Zimmer Zoomer, which I don't think is funny at all. But, <laughs> but we're all, you know, we, we've now got this up. But I think it's, it's phenomenal. We are now no longer geographically kind of constricted. We can connect with anybody anywhere in the world and for free. And I don't know about your business, Joe, but in my business, free is a very compelling price point. I love it. And so I think that's fascinating now. We don't have to waste time and energy and carbon footprint. We can connect with anybody anywhere. Now, there's, of course, a downside to that. I mean, the good news is that, you know, and, you know, you can do your job from anywhere. But the bad news is that anybody anywhere can do your job. So you got to kind of be careful that you don't get what you wish for, that you open up to the world and then the world becomes more competitive and, and can do your job at a cheaper rate or whatever. But so I think that that's fascinating. But I think for the first time in history, um, you know, it's more important what you do than where you are. That's a, that's a new phenomenon because in the old days, your geography dictated your identity. And if you lived in Southern California, that's who you were. But, but now we say geography is history. You know, you can be, you can do anything from anywhere. You can live in Southern California and be working in a, in a business in Greece or somewhere. So I think that's extraordinarily exciting. And what's code is, as you sort of put about 20 years of technology into us, 20 months, has allowed us now to, to build these huge online, if you like, tribes of people. So when we go on to the next iteration, which I assume is going to be some sort of hybrid kind of thing, we're going to have our existing network of friends. They haven't gone away, but we're also going to have this new tribe. But I think the challenge in all of this is that all the research shows that during COVID, our networks have shrunk. We, we've tended to hunker down with friends and family and a few maybe business connections. And as you know, you know, opportunity lies at the outer concentric ring of your network. And, and we've, left, we've left them alone. We've ignored them. So I think we have a job of work. And your question, Joe, alluded to what's it going to look like when we go on. And I think we're going to have to get back on our networking horse and dust off our networking skills and get out there. I think there's a hunger and a thirst for it, but people are still a little bit wary, a little bit nervous. Yeah. The other point I'd make is, um, you know, 100 years ago, Spanish flu was this incredible thing that affected the world amazingly, but it was followed by an extraordinary period of growth, innovation and creativity. And I sense that happening again. And so I take the, I use the old Irish expression, when business is down, that's when you paint the shop. You know, get ready, guys. We're going to have one hell of a surge now. And I think about networking as, you know, for the audience out there, you know, if they want to check out businessadvisory.com, um, they yep. can connect with myself and Simon as well. Kingsley, do you, with lockdown and as, you know, people have been, networks have been getting smaller. And I'll ask you this as well, Simon. Have we been getting, have things been getting faster or have they been slowing down in the, for, for ourselves? So with all the technology and everything, we're not commuting as much and all, so fast or slowing down? Simon, I'll ask you first. My experience is that if, if anything, it's kind of got a bit faster because as Kingsley said, I don't spend the time sitting, although I just did today, which was a novelty, going to meet people in coffee shops. So it's just 
one meeting from another on Zoom. So I think in that respect, it's more kind of focused, you know. Um, and, and I think if you're one of the challenges is for companies, because companies are now realizing that generally the productivity rates are going up, which sounds good. But they're scratching their head because they know the people who are more productive, and that's fine. But there are plenty of people who aren't as productive for whatever reason, right? What are, what do companies do with them? So it, there's all sorts of things. But yeah, for me, it seems to speed. You know, things seem to be going faster, and therefore I have to be more aware of my own mental health because you can just go from one thing to another. That's my long-winded answer. Yeah, Kingsley. Yeah, look, I agree with I agree with you, Simon. Uh, but I'd overlay that with um, I think we're we're we enjoy giving the environment a little bit of a rest. We liked what we saw. I think it's extraordinary to see the number of people who are, who are out swimming, running, walking, riding bicycles. I mean, I think there's a whole lot of that, and I hope a whole lot of that's been translated into the the research on the RT radio news this morning of the the number of people who are saying we don't want to go back to 100 percent at work. We don't want to go to to totally work remotely, but we do want a bit of both. So I think that's all about kind of a bit of a life balance. But the other wrinkle, which I discovered recently, which I find fascinating, was a piece of research done in the United States that said that under COVID, men's networks decreased by 30% and women's networks have not decreased at all. And, and they explained this, this is a Professor Marissa King in Yale University by saying that men like to do things with other men. They like to play golf, go for a pint, go to a match. Uh, whereas women get their um, get get their sort of emotional um, <clears throat> highs, if you like, from spending time talking and conversing with each other much more than men. So I find that interesting. That is interesting. Having an old chat with a few women than men, I find it more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no. And Kingsley, what, what about the different generations? Are... are are how are the younger generation are the younger generations generally finding this easier or are they doing this differently how are you seeing from a generational perspective i think it's dreadful for young people i really do how are young people meant to meet each other how are you meant to meet your your, your boyfriend your girlfriend i have kids sitting on the end of their bed doing university courses and you know i have kids who played on hockey teams that haven't played for a year and a half i think it's I think we're we're steer, uh, we're storing up a bit of a, a bit of a crisis, and I think the, the mental dimension you mentioned is 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 tough. Look, if we can get out of it and snake out of it over the next six months, then it'll all be history. But I think it's really tough, and I sympathise with them. They're missing so many of the experiences we had at their age. Yeah, yeah, it's it's I've a, a, a daughter in her twenties, and she's just gone over to uh, Ibiza for a week. And with her friends, because, you know, they just took a week and went over because when they're over there on the week, you know, they're they're connecting, they're connecting. Yeah. And when they're yeah. coming back here, they can connect. So, yeah. so yeah. But look, look at it. I, I, it. I think it will, will improve. But what advice then would you would you give to someone who's working in our Zoom pods um, and trying to network? Um, relationship building or you know it's business building or whatever like how do you how do you build those relationships up now because you know mm. it's it's two-dimensional mm. i think you know you need to take a low-tech approach and a high-tech approach to the challenge and by low-tech i mean and i include the telephone in this you know always reply to an email with a telephone call um, you know, pick up the phone. The phone was the most brilliant marketing and sales device technologically ever created in the history of mankind. It's an 
extraordinary device, but so many people won't use the telephone. Um, they'll only use electronic connectivity. And I think that's one of the challenges for the next generation. I think the second thing is you can use more old fashioned things. You can actually write, I write notes to people, hang them in the mail. I send people articles, I send people books. I do all that as sort of low tech stuff. At the same time, I've used LinkedIn as my social media of preference to build up, to give stuff away. I think, you know, now is the time to shine online as the line, as the saying goes, and to see uh, social media as a way of serving, not selling. And I think a lot of people see it as selling. So I think yeah. if you take that approach to the whole thing, it'll be beneficial. It's interesting because like I now go out and I do a, you know, a 6K walk every day during the day because I've set up my day in between meetings or breaks. I have 15 minutes or a half an hour between each, but I've blocked off just over an hour every day to do my walk. But on Fridays afternoons, I block off Friday afternoons. And what I do, I do my walk on Friday afternoons and any calls that I haven't made, I catch up and speak to people on the phone. And the one thing that I've realized, and you're right about the phone, is that when you're speaking to people on the phone, it's nice. And it's getting us back to talk instead of texting. And I even to make, I even got an old, an old phone. So I don't have, when I'm out walking, I don't have a phone with all the apps or everything on it. I bought it for 26 quid, put my SIM card in it. So I'm not distracted with anything. I can make a couple of calls and my day, my afternoon is free. It's, it's, I call it catch up Friday, catch up Friday. Yeah. And of course, when you're on the phone, you're totally listening to what somebody says. You're not distracted by their hairdo or what's behind them or the book behind them or whatever. You're focusing on what they say. <laughs> well, that, that's a good point. And the, the whole area of empathy and I mean, how how because networking requires communication is about connection, Kingsley. It's not just about language. It's how people connect. And it's harder to really viscerally connect online. And or is it? What, what, what's your feeling about building trust and truly connecting online? And where do you think this is going? Do you think this is going to change the way we trust? Or what do you think about connection and empathy online? Well, look, I, I, I don't think they're as good as the real thing. I mean, I just genuinely, I'm sick and tired of the whole thing, I have to be frank. Um, but And I do think there's one particular skill in networking that is actually probably more important than any other skill in the world. And it still applies online to an extent. And that's to be a world-class listener. And we live in a world where most people don't listen. Most people think that listening is a sign of weakness, that talking is a sign of power or control, of being knowledgeable, and that listening is a sign of weakness and apathy. But actually, the really great networkers are great listeners. You know, they listen, you know, they listen with their listen with their eyes and they speak with their ears, as we sometimes say. And, and, and we live in a world where there's a lot of narcissistic listeners. So if I say to you, Simon, I'm thinking of buying a car, you say, I bought one last week. The guy wanted 20,000. I only gave him 10,000. I don't give a stuff about you yeah. and your car. Yeah. I want to tell my story and you've hijacked it in a narcissistic way. That happens all the time. It does. I, I notice I notice that. It's, you're, you're right. It's that, that, that you just need to stop. And listen, and, and there's nothing wrong with silence at times, you know, just l- allow that to happen. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. See, silence is a form of activity. Yeah. It is. The hardest but thing, think- the hardest thing that people can actually do is be silent. That if you ask someone to sit on a chair silent for 10 minutes, they can't. It's, it's, yeah. it needs to be, yeah. you, and, and listening to people in conversation 
has to be, we have to train. We, you know, we have to train ourselves to do that. We have to do it for practice because of just the way the world has on it. So maybe one of the tips I would say to people that are listening today is learn to listen, practice, practice and learn to listen. Yeah. I okay. totally agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I could listen yeah. to both of you all day. I think I'll just sit here and say nothing. <laughs> King Kingsley, when, when, not if, but when all this passes over and you can get back out on stage again and inspire people, what are you most looking forward to? I mean, what do you really, is it traveling around the world? Is it, is it, is it having the chats afterwards? What are you most looking forward to? Well, I'd say the word serendipity, you know? You know, planning gets you the tip of the iceberg. Serendipity, luck and chance gets you the rest of the iceberg. And I think what's happened under COVID is that serendipity has been starched out of our lives. Randomness, luck, bumping into people, the meeting, the meeting, the water cooler, the coffee stations, all gone. And it was, life's become quite boring results. So I, I would say that I'd love to see that come back. I actually went back traveling last week and had a wonderful four days work in um, San Sebastian, one of my favorite cities in the world, working with the, uh, the Basque government, developing their diaspora strategy. And I just got such a high of spending time with these wonderful people. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm just a huge fan of that, the interpersonal kind of the relationships, the, the, those things. But I do love the notion that, some people think luck is just something that's like a bolt of lightning or winning the lotto. I actually think it's a gentle wind always at your back and you can grab it and you can make it work for you, but it doesn't happen lying in bed or sitting at your desk. It happens when you're out and about in motion. Did you eat stuff. plenty of pig sauce? That's one of my favorite cities, San Sebastian. It's a beautiful place. It's fantastic. And the cuisine is just, I know. Work class. Yeah. <laughs> I think most people in the last year and this year, are really starting to find out who they really are, you know, understand their fears, understand their strengths. And we, I think, you know, we can talk about the whole negative stuff that's gone on, but I think there's a positive stuff as well, because people have had a chance to stop, take evaluation of who they are and the situation they're in, and hopefully being able to act on it. And when this is over, to be able to be a better person, a better business, a, you know, um, entrepreneur moving forward into 22 and 23. Would you agree, Simon, on that? Would you, Kingsley? Yeah, I think I, not everybody, but I think a lot of us have had time to really reflect on what we value and what what matters less to us. And and really, it's connection. You know, we, we, yeah. we're, we're, we're not... I often say we're not here for ourselves, despite what some of the politicians might say. We're here for each other. And, and, and what do you think about Kingsley? That Kingsley, we're here for each other, aren't we? We're, we're social animals. We need each other. Yeah, I was just going to say we're social animals. We crave, we crave, you know, social content. So let me ask you a question. When you look back on your life, Simon, you know, what were the most memorable experiences of your life? Were they spent in front of a screen or with other people? And the answer, of course, is with other people. Yeah. And there's, a great, there's a great book by a woman called Sherry Turkle in the United States called Alone Together. She said technology was designed to bring us all together. But in fact, what's happening is technology is allowing us all to be alone in front of a screen. And there's something in what she says there. Then in terms of what you, your general you know, comments about just how we've had a chance to reflect on ourselves and, and how we live our lives and why and all those questions... What we're seeing in the world now is what they're calling the great resignation. It's a phenomenal thing that's going on right now in the world. Like 
40% of people do not want to go back to the jobs they had pre-COVID. Well, something must be wrong there if, if they feel like that. Um, and I think that's an extraordinary. I was talking to a recruitment company the other day, and they say the churn going on now is just phenomenal. So companies are going to have to seriously look at how do they attract and retain talent. I mean, before COVID, the big crisis was attraction and retention of talent. But right now, I mean, we've no chefs in Ireland at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, there's yeah. huge jobs in every country in the world. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I know uh, I'm not going to mention it, but a private company here put an advert out to bring some uh, hospitality workers over from Spain uh, and was blown away. She had about 700 applicants. You know? oh, wow. This is not even a government body. This is just a small private company. You know, she's blown away. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it yeah. is, you know, I think what people are realizing that they were caught in a building and now they want to do 50-50. And a lot of people to speak to, they are willing to do 50-50, you know, see people but and then work from home. But what's happening as well is how do companies keep that community going if everything is disjointed? And I think that's going to be an issue within organizations as well. And and C-suite executives are going to have to come up with strategies to be able to still keep that community based within each organization as well. There's a wrinkle to that, which is that very often um, they're finding that women are saying they want, would prefer to stay at home and men are saying they want to go back into the work more, more than women. And part of that is because of women take on so much of the domestic responsibilities in the home. And so it suits them better. But here's the challenge for companies. How do you assess people's performances fairly between those who are back at work and those who are starting out? There's this worry that those people who stay at home want a job and those people who go back to work want a career. So you got to, you know, it's going to be assessment uh, of people at the end of their year is going to be a difficult thing comparing those two different types of lives. Yeah, I know this. I just want a holiday. <laughs> I just on a holiday. <laughs> Simon, uh, have we anyone there on Facebook asking any questions there? Uh, I I didn't see anybody. Although I've just to be honest, I've I managed to log myself out. <laughs> oh, here we have one. Here it's from Andrew. He's just come back. Um, he's been he's outside from Ireland, and he just wanted to know moving back from Ireland in the end of 2020 and lived in the UK and the Netherlands. And, you know, he wants to know the usage of how we can do more networking as well. That's Andrew Whitaker, isn't it? I know. Welcome, Andrew. It's good to see you. See, I think join some of those organizations. You know, the Chamber of Commerce is an obvious one. Uh, I, I go to their events here. I'm also a member of the IIBN, the Irish International Business Network. And Andrew, having experience of living and working overseas, could be interested in that group because they have operations in London and New York and Dublin. So, um they're beginning to, beginning to go back to in you know in person events. But I found them a great because I came back after twenty odd years away, so I had to start again. And um, I found those groups great. But what, what was Andrew what, Walker? Andrew Walker. And 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 one of the, one of the things as well is that you know I've noticed this, and it's what Andrew was saying as well that people outside Ireland are more engaging on LinkedIn than in here. You know, and you have all these on LinkedIn as well. You have all the different settings in the, the advanced settings. But do you think people are slower to interact on LinkedIn, guys, uh, in Ireland from outside Ireland? 
I, I don't I don't know the stats around it, but I do think you know you know the Irish when they go overseas they they seek out each other etc. to more so than they need to do here because you've got that kind of established. Very often people are, are in that kind of you know friends, family, school mates, you know sports, rugby, guy, whatever it is. it's there. You know you don't have to create something from new. I mean Andrew and I think his wife's from Chile. You know come back here from from a long time overseas, but um, I think they're taking the right approach. Um, and, and being uh, and reaching out to as many people as possible. Yeah, I see, see Camel there is has been on the group as Facebook group. I just have it now on my phone, and uh, he set up the Irish Business Directory, which was a great way of obviously it's a business, but it's a great way of helping businesses who are, I, I guess, a bit more self uh, less confident about you know networking and connecting with others. And uh, I, I guess Kingsley, if, if if somebody would say to you, what would you say would be the the top say three? Three traits of a good networker. What, what would? What, how would you describe the top three traits of a good solid networker? Yeah, and actually, by the way, Camel has a super network there. They do. Yes. They run great events, and I've been at many of them over the years. But I, I think you know, people, uh, you know, people who are great networkers. <clears throat> You know, they think of other people before they think of themselves. They think like farmers who plants a seed in the spring, doesn't expect there to be a harvest the next day. You know, they put time and energy into it. They really develop a wide array of weak connections because they know that's where very often uh, opportunity lies. They also, you know, they know the difference between, you know, being the most connected and being the best connected. They understand that they need to be high tech. They've got to understand and use technology, but they've got to be high touch as well. And they also know something else. They know that the way to people and uh, and uh, opportunities they don't know about is through people they do know about. Yeah. So they use that kind of referral thing. They're not afraid of asking, you know, and asking is your most powerful marketing tool as an individual. Yeah. And they do understand, you know, this notion of Me Inc, that they're managing director, chairman, CEO of a company called Me Inc, and they need to take responsibility for their own career trajectory. Nobody else is going to look after them. So they say, you know, they do all those things. And of course, they're great listeners. And- how to ask, how to ask. That's the secret. It's how to ask. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. Kingsley, we've run out of time. Yeah. Um, tell yeah. me if someone wants to reach out to you, where can they get in touch with it on LinkedIn and your website as well, please? Yeah, LinkedIn would be great. I, I And I give away lots of stuff for free. Anybody who connects to me, I give away lots of stuff about networking for free. Uh, and then the Networking Institute is a website and there's lots of information. We, we have a whole series of online training courses that people can learn about. Brilliant. Easy. Cool. Thanks for coming on the show on Bye. Business Eye here at Dublin South FM. And um, look, if anyone wants to connect with, with yourself and if you want to connect with, again with Simon and myself as well, that's businesseyeadvisory.com. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM. Yes, Simon. Last part of the show, part three. I like that. Networking. You know, yeah, we all, we all want to be better networked. Maybe we are good at networking. We're just too hard on ourselves. Uh, yeah, I, I I think there's something in that. I mean, you know, I've been invited to join networking groups and I was in one for a while. And But for me, networking is about, I'm much more comfortable having one-on-ones and deep, meaningful conversations. And that's networking as well. It's about, as Kingsley said, it's about, you know, you get the next answer by talking to, the, to, to, to your closest contacts, you know. And so 
I don't think everybody has to be pushing themselves out into these networking groups. If they want to, great. But it's about talking to people you know. That's networking. Do you know what it is? It's it's like a garden. If you tend to a garden, it's lovely. If you leave yeah. it, it just dies and all the plants wither and everything. So it's what you put into it. You know, some people like going into big, large rooms. Some people are extroverts. Some are introverts. You know, but I think, yeah, I, you know, it's for me as well. I do like networking, but, it, you know, I like one-to-ones. I do. I like yeah. one-to-twos. I like, I like, I like the conversation yeah. we just had with Kingsley. I like those conversations. Me too. Me I too. Yeah. Yeah. But, but networking groups, I mean, I've been in one or two where, where there was a genuine attempt for, you know, give and take, you know, you come along, it's not all about you. As long as you come along and, you know, there you know you can take things but as long as you're willing to share as well i think it just it requires that honesty you know yeah, but i don't i don't like them those oh get you you stand up how much business have you given this week or I, know, how are you? I, know. I don't like them i no. i honestly believe you should go in not expecting anything and not giving anything and just go in as you are and see how you get on as just talking to people but this whole oh you didn't give such and such you know no. that's you know, no, it's, cringe, it's cringy, isn't it? Yeah, I find it a yeah. bit cringy. Headmaster, <laughs> headmaster, I'm sorry I didn't give anyone any business this week because I don't yeah. know anyone who wants to yeah. house paint us. I'm sorry, yeah. I don't. But I think, <laughs> I think for those people who are introvert or shy about this, unfortunately, it's those groups they hear about. And I think it can push people off, you know, whereas I think networking is just having a coffee with someone or even a virtual chat, you know. Be honest, truthful, you know. Yeah. And if the other person then knows that you're honest and truthful and you're telling everything as it is, then they consent. That's it. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. as simple as it I is. Agree. I agree. Simon, Simon, Simon. Another week. Another closer week. to closer to paradise. <laughs> closer to paradise indeed. We will we must do a walk. We must do a dog. Do you know what I'm doing? Actually, I'm getting a new dog, another dog. Uh half German shepherd. No. Swiss Shepherd and half Labrador. Swiss, so what's a what is a Swiss Shepherd? It's a bit of a tongue twister, isn't it? <laughs> it's a German Swiss. It's a German Shepherd, but it's it's similar to. Does uh, this dog know it's a mix of German and Swiss? <laughs> yes, it is. It is. It lives in the Alps, and uh, with the Labrador, so very protective, very friendly, very intelligent. So he's going to be doing the broadcasting in a couple of months. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be intimidated. <laughs> on that. Yeah, no, but let's do another walk. Let's do another. Let's I'd, do I'd a walk. Them. Yes. Yeah. Folks, look, thanks for listening in today. Everyone, again, have a super weekend. Don't mind any of that nonsense that's going on around you. Don't lose the fear. Live your life. You know, as I say, things need to be natural, they need to be healthy, and they need to be normal. So on to next week. Take care from myself and See Simon. you soon. See you next time. See you next week. See Take you. care.